Over in Ezekiel chapter 37, we see um, this vision that is given to Ezekiel from the Lord. And as we look through a lot of the messages that God gives us, there's always a lot of different meanings we can derive from it. But this one just has a really cool image of um, where Ezekiel is and what God's going to do through his words. And I want us to just focus on kind of what God's words mean for us and what we can see that they mean in this story as we go through this morning. So if you'll start with me in Ezekiel chapter 37, we'll start in verse 1 there. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around, around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise, from you, raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. As we've been looking through this whole past year of uh, what promises mean and what they look like, um, we've just seen a lot of the way that God brings about his promises. And in this, we can see that God's words and God's um, breath are what give life. And so thinking about that, I just want to go back to the very first time that we see God do anything with his words, which is Genesis 1, which we kind of looked over in class today. So if you'd like to turn back over there to Genesis 1 with me. We all know the story, we've known it since we were kids, of the creation of the world and how everything that God spoke came into existence and uh, that it was good and everything was great from that. This morning as we read, um, we'll just start in verse 26 there of chapter 1, it says... Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now going over to Genesis chapter 2, Look at a few of the verses of how man was actually created there. If we look in verse in chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it actually says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So just as we saw in Ezekiel chapter 37, these dry bones lying out on the ground, we see God taking this dust and creating man, making this um, person, this entity in his image. And so that's just an amazing thing to think that God can do that just from his words. But just looking at where we are now and uh, what God's words do for us and how we are able to get life through him, he's brought that through man, but also through Jesus. And just going over to Romans chapter 4, we can see an image of how this was all fulfilled through Jesus there for all of us. In Romans chapter 4, um, talks a lot about Abraham and the promises and how all this came together and was brought together so that everything could be fulfilled through Jesus. But going down in verse 20, it says, No distress made him waver, talking about Abraham, concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in the faith as he gave glory to God. And I just love that the reason he gave glory to God and the reason he trusted in God was because of God's words. And this is the same kind of thing. We see the words of God giving life. We see the words of God giving promise. As we continue on in verse 21, it says, Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, as it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It was counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who has delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace which he stand. And we rejoice in hope, the glory, in the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and the endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which he has given to us. Thinking about God speaking to these dry bones, which are laid out in a field, in a valley, giving them life, giving them spirit, we see that here, that God has given his spirit so that we're able to have life through that as well. Now next, I just want to think about what those words um, do. And uh, God gave those words to Ezekiel, and he spoke them, and everything didn't stay the same. Things changed. And that's what we'll actually see in our life if we actually listen to the words of God and are able to take that on. They're designed to make a change. They're designed to have a response. They're designed for something more than just words to be spoken. They're something that requires us to have a response to and actually do something about um, I want to look at a character in the Bible which I think really embodies what the words of God can do for us and how they can actually change us, and that's looking at Paul. So if you want to turn over to Acts chapter um, 7, we can start talking about Paul there. Paul's a story and a man which we have all heard a lot from, know a lot about, but just thinking about Acts chapter 7 in the very end there um, with the stoning of Stephen and just how we see Saul standing there beside watching everything happen, and then going into chapter 8, that he um, approved of executions, that he was seeking out ways to um, stifle the church and keep God's word down, make sure that people weren't able to hear these words and be renewed by the spirit that God was trying to pour out on people. Then let's move on to um, chapter 9 there. Just looking through, we can see that whenever Saul was on that road, that he was headed to um, continue to defame the name of Jesus and keep this spirit down and be able to stop it, that things completely changed. When that light came and Jesus spoke to him on the road, he actually was able to change his life from the words which he spoke to him, and Paul was able to change a lot of other people's lives after that. 
which is really, really amazing. Uh, I want to go over to Philippians chapter 3. This is something that we were actually studying over last Wednesday. And I think these, um, these words just really resonate with me thinking about Paul's life and who he was before and then thinking about Paul's life and how it changed after um, he came to know Jesus. So if you look with me in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, that's where we'll start reading. This is Paul talking about who he was before he had Jesus a little bit, and then talking about kind of who he is through faith right now. And he said, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his feelings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain resurrection from the dead. In these verses, we're able to see that Paul, whose life was guided by um, all the rules and everything that he came up in, and even his status in the world, was changed and completely transformed. That life that he was living, he decided to give up because the words of God and the words of Jesus in that instance changed him, and they made him something different than what he was before. They changed his spirit, and they changed his life. They um, kind of put him back together in the way that God wanted him to be so that he could live in a different way and be a soldier for God in that way as well. Um, Just looking at Paul, we think, wow, like that's a crazy change that was a huge deal for someone who was completely against Christ to be on Christ's side and be working and fighting for him. But not every response to Jesus is going to be like that. Not everything is going to work that well. We see that whenever we listen to the prophecy and we take it in, that the change can come where we'll actually be able to follow after God, be able to come back together and change like we saw those bones in Ezekiel chapter 37. But I do want to look at another instance where Jesus himself was actually speaking to people, and they had a bit of a different response. So if you want to turn it with me over to John chapter 6, I'll actually take a look there at another response which could be had to hearing the words of God. Moving pretty far down in the text, going all the way to um, verse 60, let's just think about before this, Jesus was talking with some of the the Pharisees and some of the um, leaders of the Jews and just speaking with them about who he was, saying that he was the bread that came down from heaven. And they were very upset by that, and they didn't understand it, and they were like, we can't eat your flesh. And they didn't grasp what he was saying. They didn't want to listen to it, and they didn't want to accept it into their hearts of what it actually meant to them. Going down a little bit further in verse 61, um, Jesus, (laughs) knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? And what if it were, what if you, what, and then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was, was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. So we see Jesus emphasizing this importance of the Spirit is the one that gives life that these words that come through the Spirit are the ones that actually are able to make that change. 
But looking right after that in verse 66, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And just seeing that image of Jesus telling them what the Spirit could do for them and how it could actually change and people turning away and completely walking the other direction just shows that it doesn't always do that. But there is a change that can be made and it revokes that response. And just like the bones came together and they actually stood up and walked and they were an army, we can do that or we can choose to walk the other direction. So there's a way here where we can actually choose what's going to happen in the future. Now, I think that... One thing we've noticed and we've learned just, I mean, anytime we read the words of God, but especially just looking at the promises and how we're supposed to fulfill those and how those come about, even thinking about Paul and Acts and just how much the apostles had to put themselves in different situations to show and to live after God, to give up so much of what they had and go out on their own. Um, Just looking at our purpose can be found in the words of God himself. So if you'd like to turn over with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, I'll actually read a few verses there that Peter wrote. It's going to be a bit of a longer reading. We read verse 13, um, almost through the end of the chapter there. Just some of the things Peter has to say about this hope and how we're supposed to be called to be holy and how we need to answer to that call which we've heard. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace which will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from your feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb which without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. This verse here is saying that we know that we have been born again because we've chosen to listen to the words of God. We've chosen to take on that change which God has given us through his words and answer that call. That needs to spur us on to do a lot of things, to live in a different way, to work in a different way, to look for ways that we can put God into every action that we have and everything that we do and what we're seeking to do here on the earth. But just seeing that it's supposed to be the living and abiding word of God. So we need to recognize that it is living, that it has that change, and then from that we need to let it abide in us and let us make a change. Now, if you would turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 1 is a beautiful chapter just talking about all the blessings we have in Jesus and just what those mean and how those come about, Um, how we've been predestined to follow after God, how he's given us the opportunity to be in the heavenly places with him, just all the gifts, all the blessings, and all the praise which we can see and give to God from all the gifts that he gives to us there. 
But just look with me in chapter 2, in verse 8, right after talking about that. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created, we were spoken into existence, even back at the start of time, to be this workmanship, to be created, created in the likeness of God. And after he created us in this way, he's given us all these ways which we can serve him and different opportunities where we can show our faith to him just as he's shown his love to us by creating us and choosing us as his people. So just seeing that, we need to be filled up with the, the spirit that he gives us, be able to take on the different attributes which he wants us to, to be able to show his spirit in our lives and to other people. Now if you return over with me to 1 Timothy 4, the verses that Josh read for us a bit ago, be able to take a look there. And just some of the words which Paul, that man that we just talked about, and how much his life actually changed, um, actually what he came to tell someone else. We saw from time just how Paul's relationship with Timothy was like a father and Timothy like a son to him, and just how that bond grew closer and closer together as they came together. And in 1 Timothy 4, I'll just start in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 10 there again, just so we can get the full image of what he's saying, talking about some of the things which need to go on in the church, different ways that um, action should be taken, and kind of how Timothy should behave in this situation with everybody as well. So now the Spirit expressly says in the la- later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving, by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected, if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed, having nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So just thinking about that image that we started out with of the dry bones in the valley, I want you to just go back to Ezekiel 37 and just read through it again and just think about how much change came about just through the words of God there. And as we saw that change in Paul's life, just as one example um, highlighted in the Bible of a huge change and a, a complete turnaround of the path that he was on, just to read through this verses and see how much God can change us from being completely dead, dry, And with that image of dry bones, you just think about they've been there for so long that they're completely dried out, that everything's completely gone. There's no more flesh. There's no more way for it to decay because it's at the lowest standard that it could be. But God can take us even if we're at that point and he can breathe life into us and he can completely change us and make everything grow back to the way it's supposed to be and make us perfect and whole again. So Ezekiel 37, let's just read through those verses again. 
The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and was full of bones. And he led me among them, and behold, there was a very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And then I said, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there was sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on your slain, that they may live. So I may prophesy as he commanded. And the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole, uh, whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open graves and raise up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you in the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it, declares the Lord. Just looking up at verse like all the verses, but especially verse 5 and 6, just says, Thus says the Lord God to these, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you. Just thinking about the life that God gives, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin. He makes us whole, and he gives us everything that we need. He says, I will put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And doesn't God do that for us whenever he makes us whole and he gives us Jesus and he brings about this spiritual revitalization where he gives us the life, he gives us what we need to be able to serve him and to be able to come to him, to be filled with his spirit and to be able to live in that way. And just thinking about this, just living our lives, um, I think it's just really important for us to constantly just be spirit-led people and be seeking to live in a way which would reflect that we were filled with God's spirit and that we've been changed by him to be able to continue to live a changed life. So Blake did pick out a song that um, kind of talks about the words of God. Different song, what's the song? 811. 811, all right, so we're going to be seeing 811. Um, and just with all these images in mind and just the spirit that God has poured out upon us and the one that he gave to Jesus to be able to come and sacrifice himself, that we can just live in a way which is inspired by that and in a way that's promise-led and promise-driven people who are looking to serve and glorify God in that.